Welcome to the Request 2021 podcast. In the winter of 2021-22, a team of 10 members of scouting, eight from Kent and two from Scotland, will be sailing together on the Bark Europa tour ship from South America to Port Lockroy in Antarctica. The plan is to sail exactly 100 years after two scouts sailed on Shackleton's original quest expedition. I'm Alan Noak and I'm project leader and I'm the person who came up with the whole crazy idea in the first place. Uh, Each of the participants is to carry out an Antarctic research project. So my personal project is to produce a soundscape record of our journey. That's before, during and after Antarctica. The plan is for this podcast to include interviews, scouting historical links, events uh, and research project work that we record along the way. So uh, please join us as we venture to Antarctica and back again on the journey of a lifetime. It promises to be a memorable experience. Welcome to episode 20 now of the Request 2021 podcast. Uh, So this is going out on Tuesday the 1st of June. Uh, So we're at exactly seven months now to the day until we sail to Antarctica. Um, We've got a team of five who are training for the London Landmarks Half Marathon. And that's going to be on Sunday the 1st of August this year. Um, uh, as our final big fundraiser to try and bring in the the rest of the funds that we need for the project. Um, We will also be at Gilwell UK Scout Headquarters in Chingford. Uh, That's going to be Sunday 5th of September. Um, And we're going to be unveiling the plaque to Mar and Mooney that we've had made. Uh, So excited about that day. Um, Plans are coming together for our sail under Tower Bridge. Uh, That's going to be on Friday the 17th of September Um, and we've got agreement from the Port of London Authority uh, that we can have a a small flotilla of scout boats uh, that are going to sail alongside us as we go under Tower Bridge. Um, Then uh, I'm going to be making a presentation at the Devon and Cornwall Polar Society centenary event uh, which is a week later, that's on Friday 24th of September. So we've got some really exciting times ahead. Uh, I'm really pleased to announce that we've got our first Emperor Penguin level sponsor. Uh, The Freemasons of Kent have donated £5,000 in sponsorship. Um, So it's a fantastic amount. And Tony Harvey from the Freemasons has said um, that this is another example of collaboration between our two great organisations. Uh, one of which uh, w- will have a lasting impact uh, on the lives of so many young people. So, um, in fact, it, it, this collaboration is another echo of the original expedition because Ernest Shackleton himself was a Freemason. He was a member of Navy Lodge number 2612 um, and they still meet in London. So... Uh, This episode, um, I've got our request interview with Mark Wood. Now, Mark is an established speaker. 
he's an author and explorer and he operates within cold extremes of our planet. Uh, his expeditions include uh, guiding film crews to the magnetic North Pole, uh, leading two expeditions to the geomagnetic North Pole and completing solo expeditions to both the geographic North and South Poles. Um, he has been part of a major BBC and Channel 5 documentary um, and over the years he's trained and led people in extremes of the planet. Uh, he's chairman of the famous Explorers Club um, and he's chair of the Great Britain and Ireland chapter. He's also a scout adventurer so uh, I hope you enjoy our interview now with Mark Wood. Yeah, so whereabouts did you grow up? So I grew up in the Midlands. I was born in Coventry. Uh-huh. Uh, very central UK. Yeah. So from, from there, what inspired you to get involved in exploring from there? So. Well, I um, joined the military at, at an early age, and I left at an early age. So uh -huh. I left when I was 21. Right. For uh, just below four years. Mm-hmm. And then I went travelling. And then I joined the Fire and Rescue Service in Windsor. Right. Um, and then I was there for 10 years. And midway through that, I sort of got into expeditions. Ah. I was into walking mm -hmm. and all pursuits, etc. But uh, actual expeditions came midway through my Fire and Rescue days. Okay. So, so what was their first expedition then? The first polar expedition was... Um, flying, it was a baptism, baptism of fire, really. <laughs> flying up to the Northwest Passage in High Arctic Canada to a place called Resolute Bay, which is a landing spot for quite a few of the older, older expeditions now because the starting point for the North Pole and whatnot is sort of diminished from uh -huh. the coast. So, um, so I went up there and I, I spent 70 days training in and out of a the Re Resolute Bay, which is a Inuit settlement. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, this is on Cornwallis Island. It's a thousand miles away from the nearest tree. Right. It, um, but there are there are Inuits live that that far north. Yeah. Inuit, yeah, yeah. The Inuit live there, um, and further north from that, Greece Fjord. Uh huh. About seventy below a hundred Inuit there, right. and Canadian sort of workers and things like that. Um, but they're the two highest Canadian settlements in Canada. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cool. I spent sort of six seasons there. So every year I was going back and doing a, a polar expedition or training people or preparing or whatever. Um, so yeah, it was a, it was a good training ground. So what was that, um, through just completely off your own back or were you part of some group or? Yeah, part of a group. Um, yeah. One of the firefighters that I kind of knew was putting together a team. Ah, okay. We went training in the UK. We did a selection process. We went over to the, the Arctic and trained over there. Then the following year, we did. We crossed Ellesmere Island to the geomagnetic North Pole. Wow. And yeah. the year after, I trained a team. Then the year after that, I led a team. Ah, okay, yeah. So, oh, yeah, so got more and more involved. Yeah, really. Yeah. So yeah. my whole career has been being trained training to lead in to guide in to solo work yeah and um, I, I'm 
I'm really pleased that I saw on your website you're actually already a scout adventurer. Is that right? You've been earmarked as one of our adventurers? Yeah, I'm yeah. one of the scout adventurers, and um, I try and do as much as I can for the scouts because that's where it all kind of really began, really. Mm-hmm. Um, Cubs and scouts was something that we went to because our parents put us there. Yeah. Um, but I think... It has a a lot of things in your earlier life trigger what you do later on in life. I mm-hmm. think. And you only realise that until you get up to about your forties or fifties. Yeah. No, yeah, I, I kind of I think I did it because that guy came to visit the scout group and he was a soldier. Yeah. That's yeah. why. You no, know, you can't relate it directly. To no, that, no, but you never know what it's going to inspire, and that's great. Yeah. So. We, we've got, uh, obviously our six young people that are going to Antarctica. They're, they've only, they're only of, uh, between 18 and 25. So, uh, when I say young people, it's the older scouter section. So they're the network it's, scout. It's quite, yeah. that's quite an older age. Really. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, you know, 25 is, you know, 18. And mm-hmm. They're not kids. No, they're not kids. Um, uh, so not, it, yeah. it is the older scouter section. It's the Gold Duke of Edinburgh award. Alright. Yeah. From then on, how did you end up going south as well then? So you, obviously you were doing these northern jaunts. How did, how did it, how did you then get involved in going south? Um, I, I wanted to, I did about sort of eight years of <clears throat> these expeditions and worked in the Himalayas as well. Alright. Yeah. Um, I decided to do a solo expedition to the North and South Pole. Mm-hmm. That sounds first and North. As simple as that. It was, All right. the was called, um, it was solo North South. Um, so yeah, that's, that's why I went down to Antarctica to do that. And then to, all, all of my expeditions are about engaging with young people. So Good. the first yeah. one that I mentioned, I actually, Led a team from Resolute Bay to Greasefjord mm-hmm. across the Northwest Passage back in uh, 2008, I think. Yeah. And uh, that was linked to 20 children in Coventry, my old school. And then the expedition last year, we linked to 1.2 million students. The expedition in 2020 will be linking to thousands, hundreds of thousands of scouts around the world. Oh, fantastic. Engaging yeah. with young people around the world. So, yeah. Apple was the same. It was about enhancing, using expeditions to enhance a broader outreach to the young people to talk about climate change and um, personal issues mm-hmm. for the development. Personal development, um, yeah. I mean, that, so that, that fits in really with the ethos of, of this project that I'm doing. Um, very much around e- each young person that's going is going to have a, a, a research project to do. Um, and they've got a variety of different projects from climate change right the way through. One of them's looking at the, the way icebergs form and then we've got, um, some art projects and, uh, there's a whole one's, one's studying how the effects on the human body and so on. So they were all looking at different aspects of, uh, of going down there. So. And tell us more about this this uh, one you got coming up then. So twenty twenty. Yeah, I mean, if people want to have a look, it's Expedition uh, Solo One Hundred. Mm-hmm. Oh, I can put a link. Yeah, I can put a link in the show notes. So yeah. 
I'll do that. Yeah, cool. Um, and you've written a couple of books, I see. Uh, it's not easy. <laughs> so, Solo Explorer, Rock and Ice, I've got here. It's, That's correct. Yeah. And how, how have they gone? So, I mean, it's a lot of hard, I know I'm writing a book, so it's a lot of hard work getting a book out. Yeah, yeah, it's, the, the, they've gone well. Um, yeah. Rock and Ice is a photographic book, and Solo Explorer is more of a biography. So. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, right, so we're going to sort of the next official question, which is, uh, the question is, what's your earliest memory? But if you want, it can be your earliest polar memory, so. Well, my earliest memory, expedition, let's call it expedition-wise, yeah. was when I was probably six, um, because I write about, I've written about this, um, I think the idea of escapism is something which is, which is a real drive for, driving force for me, mm-hmm. to escape normality, and I think the earliest thought of that was when I was a child, and I kind of sneaked out of the house, and as a six-year-old, went up to the local shop and bought some sweets and, and sort of that feeling of butterflies in my stomach and <laughs> uh, walked around the next corner and what's going to happen was really apparent that day. And I do remember it. And I got home safe and sound. Yeah. And um, I think the same, the feeling I had that day is the same sort of feelings I get when I head out onto mountains or onto ice now. Yeah, that's that's a great answer. Yeah. Because it is, it's all about, you know, uh, your personality forms at that age, doesn't it? But, you know, that, that emotion of discovery never really leaves you, I think, if you, if you've got that sort of wanderlust. So, yeah. Uh, right. So this is a special question, a bit reserved for this podcast. Um, if you could go back in time and you could meet Sir Ernest Shackleton, uh, what would you like to ask him? What would I like to ask him? Um, what was his What was his intention of the movie that he put the film in and the program that he was taking? Yeah. Did he Did he understand what he was doing at that point? Because the only reason we talk about it um, and children talk about it in schools around the world mm-hmm. failed expedition at the end of the day, which yeah. was yeah. brought out unique leadership qualities of the time, mm-hmm. which we, we now adhere to now uh, in this modern age, mm. then it was like any unique thing like Picasso and that. You think, well, I can replicate Picasso, but Picasso did it in a certain era. Mm-hmm. And I think the qualities that Shackleton as a leader was truly unique. Yeah. He was, he was failed in many, many ways, but um, great people are usually failed in many ways, are very, but are very good and 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 uh, precise at certain things, mm. uh, but I think the way that he documented, the way he got Frank Hurley to film and photograph, has really inspired hundreds and thousands of people through different decades. Different decades, and 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 that yeah, and I think to to actually keep those images as well because they nearly lost them. You know, and they made it a priority to keep them for the future, didn't they? So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he was a visionary in that sense. Whether he did it at the time to please his sponsors, mm. that was one thing, because it was, and it still is all about money. If you, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you watch the Kenneth Branagh movie, he is very frustrated about getting the funding in, and I'm yeah. kind of 
child because you see that inner desire to go out and explore, but the the stumbling blocks of speaking to investors. Mm. Um, mm. So he went through that. Um, so whether the films and photographs were to sort of give that, but I think it was more of, I, I would guess it would be something that all the guys that you're speaking to probably have this in common that we see extraordinary things mm-hmm. and want to try and put that, take those extraordinary things and that feelings that we have in the moment of looking at the white horizon mm-hmm. and bring that back to classrooms and armchairs yeah. around the world yeah. to say this is what we experience, this is what the planet's about. So I would hope that his desire to photograph the film was based on opening a window to that beautiful, unique world. Yeah, and leaving a legacy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. Okay. Thanks for that. That's a, that's a lovely answer. So, um, right. Uh, unbelievable truth. Is there something you can tell us about you that might surprise us? Something we might not expect. My first, my first love is art. Oh, okay. Um, oh, wow. Well. Uh, right. I love it. And uh, I spend a lot of time in, in galleries alone. Uh-huh. I like walk around alone in galleries and say that's rubbish, or I spend a bit of time <laughs> on this one. And I don't, I don't like the conversation of art uh-huh. when you stand in front of a, a painting because it's very sort of personal. Yeah. Um, I like the conversation afterwards <laughs> uh, with people who don't like certain things, but are quite positive <laughs> that it's wrong. Yeah. And you're like, well, it can't be wrong. It's your own, yeah. it's your own personal opinion. Well, sure. Do you like that car? Do you like this car? Yeah. You know, you like that person, that person. It's the same with art, I feel. That's great. So, <laughs> and do, do you have a fav- favourite gallery? Um, not really. I, I like, um, I like looking at, well, I go to the Tate Modern a lot mm-hmm. just because mm-hmm. it's so controversial. Yeah. And I'm a member of the Tate Modern. But, um, and that gives me access to, a lot of um, tapes around the country mm-hmm. and free uh, galleries and things. Yeah, because you got great. there's one down in St Ives, isn't there? There's one, one up north as well somewhere. Is it Liverpool or somewhere? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah so that, that's great. Um, but I also like, you know, I like local art. They have a lot. I live in Warwickshire, and they have, like most places, they mm-hmm. have sort of art and stuff. And I just enjoy what I I see really. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. Oh, thanks for share, thanks for sharing that. What's that one behind? That's of um, uh, it's done by Jeremy Houghton, who was uh, who painted the Queen. Um, okay. He's worked. He's done military paintings. He was the uh, the main artist at the um, Wimbledon and F one stuff. And uh, this is the three of us. So it's myself and two of the guys uh, going to the North Pole in two sixteen. So he's captured it really well. Okay. And what he did, he just played, he just plastered um, oils and and water color on canvas, almost like a uh, like a pollock, if you like. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, he created these sort of waves of blues and stuff like that. Then he put these pictures up in his gallery without any figures in it, and said, "What do you think of that?" And I said, "That's what I see when I look through my goggles each huh? day." And I'm, Right. That's sort of an <laughs> distorted horizon uh-huh. waves of ice. He yeah. captured and then what he did he just put three figures in. Excellent. And he just brought the whole thing alive. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, so you're right, you've got a personal personal copy of it. Yeah. 
Okay. Um, right, food. So when you head off to these places, is there a, a, a special food that you like to have with you? So is there a tasty treat that sort of... Not really. No? I'm, I'm pretty boring in this sense. I, I look at the food as, as uh, fuel, uh-huh. as, as everybody you'll speak to uh, does. Yeah. Um, but I also look at weight in the sledge. So yeah. if we've been over a month or plus, then whatever, if you put a feather in the in the sledge, it will weigh a ton in your head. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I'm very careful with that. Um, we used to do treats and that every now and again, but I'm more of like trying to put protein and and um, calories into my body. So even the, the bars that I take, I don't take, like Maltesers and Mars bars and things like that. Yeah. It's all protein, high protein bars. Okay. So it's very, very, very much about making sure you've got exactly the right amount of calories and the right amount. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It's extremely yeah. calculated. I mean, mm. you know, it's, it, it's very tough out there and especially on long journeys. If you're on shorter journeys, like a week or so, mm-hmm. and base camps and stuff, yeah, go ahead. Mm. You curly word is whatever you want to do. Yeah. If you're, if you're out for two months or plus, mm-hmm. then you need to really look at how your body's going to survive and have strength in that situation. Okay. So the food is the, I mean, you know, preparation is everything mm. for an expedition of that mm. sort. Mm. It's, it's the success of an expedition before I even leave my house mm-hmm. and fly out to whatever country. I will know that what's in my sledge will keep me alive and keep me sustained. Yeah. At that point in time, so. Okay. Do you have a, um, any sort of special item or memento that you always take with you, like a keepsake or? Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, look, I take a little <laughs> penguin. Oh, cool. <laughs> and, um, an inch high. Excellent. And, um, I took it on the South and North Pole expedition. The yeah. reason I took it was because I was doing a school's project. And I, I wanted to take some nice pictures of with the penguin in it. Mm-hmm. He was mm-hmm. part of this project. Um, so I took pictures for the kids. I mean, little kids. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, they had fun looking at me with this penguin next to me. And Great. You'd, you'd size it with the cam- camera and stuff. Cool. But then because it stayed on that, I'd then stick it in my pockets. It's slight as a... It's yeah, like I said it's better, but it's light. And, mm. um, um, so now it's been on Everest. And <laughs> Does it have a name? So, yeah. Has he got a name? It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, just Penguin. <laughs> oh, it's not. <laughs> Watch it. <laughs> okay. Um, and then finally, then, just your general thoughts about Antarctica as a place. Why do you think it's such a special place? Antarctica? Mm. As opposed to the Arctic? Yeah, very okay. much, yeah. Well, Antarctica, I like the way that they preserved Antarctica. Mm-hmm. So nobody owns Antarctica. Mm. Um, I think I think you can fit, this is a guess, 52 UK. Yeah, I've seen it. I've seen one of those maps where they put the UK map on top, and it's yeah. yeah. It, it must be about that. Yeah. So there's a council that sort of look after Antarctica uh, with the research, and you know, we're we're kind of low on the list. We're we're kind of explorers. You know, you got the science, you got your education, mm-hmm. you got your 
filming, which is great, and then you've got these so-called <laughs> explorers like me, professional campers who go out there. Uh-huh. But it, it is all controlled by, really well controlled by companies like ALE and that, who, mm-hmm. who look at not only the safety adventure, but also the preservation of this beautiful continent, mm-hmm. which is that, which is a, which is an example for the, not only the rest of the world, but mainly the Arctic. Yeah. Looking at the Arctic as, you know, countries of Russia and Switzerland, you've got Greenland and Canada, Alaska, places like that around it, mm-hmm. that, um, are trying desperately to hold on to the reserves and protect the ice and stop the mining. Yeah. And, yeah. And like that. I mean, trade crossing through the Northwest Passage and, you know, I mean, it's opening up so much up there. So Antarctica mm. has got it right. It's a little bit more difficult in the Arctic because you've got countries surrounding it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I would say, you know, I say it's easier to control. Yeah. It's hard still, but mm. you know what by that. I mean, those issues have been going on for hundreds of years, haven't they? Because of the people have always been interested in the minerals and the mining and, and that side of it, of what potentially yeah. could be there. So... I think it's fantastic that it is protected, and I hope it remains protected. Yeah. But you mean Antarctica? Antarctica. Or... Yeah, yeah, and yeah, I understand with the Northwest Passage. That... Yeah, in the. Sorry, Alan, you got two separate things here. Yeah, yeah. The Arctic is still extremely vulnerable. Mm. It's, it's mm. very vulnerable. It's weak, um, not only because of climate change, but because of the aggressive um, idea of oiling and mining and. And um, passing trade of ships through the Northwest Passage, and on the Russian side, which has opened up even more. Mm-hmm. So you, you've got incredible problems, which are going to. And the, uh, just to give you a little bit of science, basic science on this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the Arctic is a, is a mass, um, a mass area of ice. That has it's so big. It's got its own gravitational pull. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It attracts or pulls in, draws in water from around the planet. Right. So that's how it's getting expansion of ice. But because of the heating of the planet, the climate change itself, um, it's diminishing. So you're losing that gravitational pull. So it's dispersing uh, water around the planet. That's why you get sea level rise. Okay. Ice. okay. Um, so it's a different thought from actually melting an ice cube in a in a glass. Mm. Um, and when you get sea level rises, you, you get all sorts of complications with migration and um, just things that will hit naturally on the planet anyway. Mm-hmm. And then you get the human effect of of of, um, of you know people moving south, people losing their lives, mm-hmm. losing the culture, um, and the knock on effect of that. And look, not to bang on about it, but we've just gone through a period of three or four months of mm. disruption in people's lives where we've seen how a small bit of a very minute disruption mm. in global lives can affect economy and the way you live and and your mental attitude. And mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. You've got to multiply that up by a million to then start to understand climate change. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's why, yeah. that's why I engage with young people, by the way. I need to stress this. Yeah. My expeditions are just platforms. Mm-hmm. I'm an ordinary guy developing these extraordinary expeditions, engaging with hundreds of thousands of young people to 
stand up against climate change. Yeah. Okay. So you're contrasting there the the real difference between the north and the south. Yeah. So you, I mean, obviously, climate change is an issue for the for the planet, but those descriptions you're giving there are are the effect of the north. No, no, mate. The, oh. the, south is a, the two areas of north and south. Yeah. Are, are affected because of absolutely, the heat. absolutely. It's just when you when you saying that the north is less protected. Yeah, yeah. That, that's that's the that's the point. Yeah. It's yeah. Vulnerable and politically, it's more vulnerable. It is. Yeah. So we're putting it, and I mean, Antarctica is the there's, there's actually where Shackleton led his his expedition. Um, it's the most uh, I think it's the most rapidly warming place on the planet. Right. Yeah. Area. Since since I went up there in 2011, mm-hmm. I think it became the most rapidly warming place. It may have changed. Now, so forgive me if I'm wrong on that, but mm. it, it, you know, you think it's the coldest place it is during the during the, the darkness of winter, mm-hmm. but the most rapidly warming place as well. And when you hear about chunks of ice falling off on the TV, you know the the the, the horrible side is we look at the TV and we look at the beautiful ice, and then the news reporter will go, "And this fell off, and it's the size of say Warwickshire." Yeah. And it fell you know, and you go, oh god, well, okay, well, we wonder what's for tea. Yeah, you know, and yeah. that's, yeah. you know, that's the dismissive side of it. Yeah, yeah. you know, it's got to be a political uh, influence. It's got to be an industrial influence. Uh, global leaders, global leaders of industry, mm-hmm. making rapid changes, radical changes. But then the individual plays a part as well. But the individual isn't the solution because if you leave it to human beings as a whole. Mm-hmm. To change we won't. Yeah. Because yeah. we only changed during this period of the virus mm. because the government led us down that road. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, and you can see afterwards when the government became grey with their decisions, yeah. the public went, well, we don't know what to do, so we're going to do what we like. Yeah. Yeah. And you can That's see that happening. The, 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 yeah. Less clear it so is. The, yeah. People like Greta or people like me or everybody else that you'll interview, mm-hmm. we are all trying to play our part and inspire people and make change mm. but it comes from government and leaders of industry yeah yeah absolutely so, yeah, cool. thank you so much that was really I'm really interesting yeah. for the morning, <laughs> <isn't it? laughs> that's fine <laughs> really really appreciate it so yeah cool but are you getting concerned in any way about your expedition next year in terms of um it is what it is mm. Mm. Everybody's, everybody's, you know, suffering in some way. My expedition not going in 221 is, is small in comparison to people who have lost lives. Yeah. So you just, you just sort of regroup. Mm. You, you know, you come back, you assess, you regroup, you plan steadily, um, and then you move forward. You mm-hmm. believe in what you're doing, and I believe in what I'm doing. Because if I don't, then it, it won't happen. Mm. Mm. No, cool. And uh, do you want to leave with some final thoughts for our young people? Uh, what would you say to them heading down there? Heading down to Antarctica. To head to Antarctica. Um, I, I would say embrace every moment you have down there. Even just now when you're 
preparing and packing. Mm. It's all part of it. Everything that I do from reading about Shackleton and all the explorers and, you know, doing things like this mm-hmm. is, it, is great. It's, it, it really excites me. So embrace every moment. You will feel fear. Embrace the fear. Um, work as a, work tightly as a team. Uh, as soon as you lose that team aspect, then you lose the sense of what you're doing. You will want to, when you're working in enclosed areas, it's a bit like Big Brother, that you will get niggly with each other. You will feel weakness. Yeah, it's part of it. It's part of it. Don't, yeah. don't beat yourself up when you have a weak day. It's just part of your nature. It's part of mm. you being a being. Um, take loads of photographs and uh, create great memories. Great, yeah. So the the ten of us have never actually all met at the same time yet, so it's it's that excitement of sort of all getting to know each other. So yeah, oh, that's good. Yeah. Well, you know, have a have a great time. So, who's your leader on it? So I'm leading the expedition, but it, obviously, um, we we we're a team. Um, Where are you going? So that what we're doing is we are the main part of the expedition is we're sailing on a uh, on the ship, so we're le- becoming part of the crew of the Bark Europa. So we're actually going to be um, sailing to Antarctica from South America. So okay. and you can become part, you know, you can get as involved in the life of the crew as you as you want. So. Okay. Yeah. And you go, do you, do you step onto Antarctica? Yeah, we should be going to Port Lockroy. We should be going to a couple of other places where we can land. Um, so, but, uh, yeah, no, we're not heading to the pole. Uh, there was a scout expedition to the pole in 2018. Uh, one lad actually, uh, went to the pole. Uh, um, amazing guy. Um, and he, he, he skied back again. So that was pretty good. Um, but yeah, no, ours is more about the actual research and projects that we do while we're there. Yeah, well, yeah. good luck with that. Cool. For this, so. Yeah. Thank you very much, Mark. So, thanks for listening. To find out more about the Request 2021 project and how you can support and follow our progress, just visit our website on www dot request2021.org.uk that's www.request2021.org.uk and uh, please give this podcast a review share it and uh, and spread the word to anyone you know who's interested in antarctica thank you